Max Quick, Book Two, The Two Travelers, by Mark Jeffrey, read by the author. The sequel to Max Quick, Book One, The Pocket and the Pendant, produced by Mark Jeffrey in association with Podiobooks.com. For more information on the Max Quick series or this podcast, please visit www.maxquickseries.com. The Max Quick series is now available as ebooks in the iPhone App Store. Twenty two Blackthorn. Out of the furnace of desert haze, a lone black rider materialized. He appeared soundlessly in the distance, a jinn summoned into being from the sands. Directly above him, a black pinpoint quickly expanded into a dark thunderhead that pounded with summer heat and combustion. The cloud was ablaze with a cacophony of lightning, pounding out in rapid succession, one right on the heels of the other. It was pure hatred brimming to a mad boil, a raw volcano chewing the sky. The dark cloud hovered above the black rider, a servant shadowing his master's approach. Together they crossed directly against the prevailing wind. Both Casey and Sasha were reminded of the murder of crows at the Isle of the Dreamtime, just before they had attacked Enki. The ominous cloud over the black rider was now churning, growing, spreading out along the sky, engulfing it like a spreading plague. It was dark red and black, with bangs of orange. A hellish mix of ash and fire and soot and brimstone and lava. It burbled and gushed, greedily devouring the heavens. The two girls started when an old Victrola, sitting in a window, inexplicably began to play a scratchy record of Mozart's Requiem. The introitus tiptoed and built ominously, soundtracking Blackthorn's approach. As the rider drew closer... He suddenly diverged, split into three. It looked like a trick of the eye, but there were now three black riders, and then they split again. Five. A black wedge was coming for them. Sasha prayed they would not continue to divide. Five of them, she muttered. That makes no difference, Casey said. She quoted Anki. Two was the very first lie. There's only one of him in the end. What about Ace? Casey closed her eyes and probed with her feelings. He's one of the five. I don't know who the other three are. Probably the deputies back from the dead. The wind muttered darkly through the town now. Sand skirled and whirled. A black cat shrieked and fled across the street. Window shutters in the bat-winged doors of the Thirteen banged noisily. Static charged the air. The sky grew visibly darker. Already, the black cloud covered at least a third of the sky. The grumble of hooves was suddenly audible. Blackthorn was covering ground quickly. The five riders were close enough already that they were no longer even shimmering in the heat. Casey was startled by the sound of a phone ringing. The hell? An incongruous phone booth had suddenly materialized in the middle of the main thoroughfare. The phone was ringing insistently. Casey and Sasha exchanged puzzled glances. Answer it, Sasha said. See what your subconscious wants. Casey grunted and walked over to the booth, 
keeping her eyes on the approaching riders. She still had time. Hello, she said into the receiver. Casey, the voice on the other end said. Her blood went cold. She recognized that voice. Johnny Siren. Jonathan Roseblood Serranus. Her father. Dad? Tears streaming down her cheeks. The wind howled like a ghost. Listen to me, Siren said. You're going to do just fine. Dad, how can this be you? You're dead. This can't be... It doesn't matter how. The universe is stranger than the strangest thing you can imagine, and that doesn't even begin to describe it. But listen, what matters is that you stand firm in who you are. This gunfight, this battle, it doesn't matter as much as remembering who you are. Don't lose track of that. Don't get distracted by the wheeze of bullets. The real battle isn't with guns. No. Remember what Logan Whitecloud told you. It is the will of those who fight that matter. That is where the real conflict is. On the uh, soul level. Dad, how do you know? Casey broke down into tears again. She hated that. She didn't cry very often anymore. In fact, she hadn't cried like this in a long time. I love you, Casey, Siren said. Stand tall. I believe in you. You're going to do fine. Dad? There was a click and then a dial tone. Dad! She dropped the phone. After a moment, she walked over to Sasha again. Siren? Sasha asked quietly. Casey nodded. He said I'm going to do fine. He said that he loved me. Sasha nodded solemnly back. Scant moments later, Blackthorn and his four fell horsemen trampled up the roses and orchids of Arturo Gyp's reborn hillside. The Requiem's Rex Tremende portion thundered throughout the town. Behind the horsemen, dashed flowers and cut greens kicked up in the air. Living threads of plant sinew split into thin ribbons and cast asundered by the cruel, careless hooves of the black steeds. Already a dirt trail had been torn through the foliage, a rip through the harmony that had arisen there. As the riders ascended the last part of the hill, Casey and Sasha got their first look at Blackthorn and his four horses. Ace was one of them, just as Casey had predicted, and the deputies were with him as well. But these three looked like zombies newly dug up from the earth. They were ghastly white and burned all over. But the eyes of all five burned and seared with murderous rage. Their souls were inferno, and none more so than Blackthorn himself. The five stood at the east edge of town. Casey and Sasha stood at the western edge, just in front of the general store and the Victorian. When Blackthorn caught sight of Casey, the cloud above began thundering and howling and crackling more viciously. It covered most of the sky by now. It wasn't raining, but then again, this didn't feel like a rain cloud. Rather, it felt like a billowing plume of ash, something that might fall down to cover and choke Arturo Jip like Pompeii at any moment. Blackthorn grinned madly. The Requiem's Dias Irae erupted without warning, filling the air with dire operatic voices howling and furious violin arpeggios. Blackthorn drew from horseback. Casey and Sasha almost drew in return on him, but he was not aiming at them, nor even looking their way. He fired at the lucky 13. Casey jumped. His bullet seemed to explode upon impact. Flames engulfed the saloon immediately, 
leaping and licking madly. It then fired at rapid succession at the Whitby, the Grand, the fortune teller's booth, the town hall, the general store. Flames swallowed each of these structures in turn. He fired at the phone booth last. It simply exploded where it stood, detonating in a shower of glass and flame. The metal frame bent and sagged to the ground. A phone off the hook tone blared out. Blackthorn blasted the receiver into a million splinters of plastic, and it went silent with one last squeal of electronic pain. He grinned with particularly vicious relish at that. With the sole exception of the Victorian and the Bird Feather Theater, our churro jip itself now burned in a hellish crackling cacophony. Blackthorn grinned like a ghoul. Casey and Sasha stood still and calm in the middle of all this, their guns still holstered. They both strove to remain balanced, unafraid, to think of their deaths, to remember everything that Logan Whitecloud had taught them. Blackthorn reholstered his guns like some kind of dark gentleman. In unison, the five dismounted in a single smooth motion. Once released, the five black stallions turned and ran back into the desert, fleeing the inferno of the town and their mad owners. Blackthorn Ace and his deputies walked towards Sasha and Casey, stopping at fifty paces. For a long moment, the seven stared at each other in silence across the main thoroughfare of the jip, five on one side and two on the other. Then Blackthorn spoke, addressing Casey. You wield the red rose, and Sasha the white rose, Blackthorn growled. But I have the black rose. He tapped his twin dark irons. And every black rose must have its black thorn. Blackthorn gave a dark chortle, dripping with hatred. You shouldn't have come back to the jip, Casey said. I'm the sheriff here now. You won't walk away so easily this time. Blackthorn winced slightly. I know who you are, Blackthorn. I know what you are. But at that, Blackthorn only grinned. Oh, good. I was wondering if I'd have to explain it to you. Good? This reply threw Casey off balance for a moment. She thought Blackthorn would be furious at her for even bringing it up. Evidently, he'd made peace with the truth in the desert. Worship me, Blackthorn tempted. This year, this conflict doesn't need to happen today. Bow to me. Give in to me. And why not? I am you. Do this, and I will reward you with pleasures beyond your wildest imaginings. Bliss, rapture, delight. Here, in this place, in Archero Jip, it is possible, you know. Merely submit to me, and I can offer you anything. We'll both get what we want. I hate you, Casey said. I hate you with everything that I am. I could never worship you. Blackthorn grinned even wider. Good, because I hate you as well. It is good that enemies such as we should hate each other. After all, only one of us can rule supreme. Casey nodded. You got that right. You got that right, Blackthorn repeated back in her own voice. Casey stared at him with a fresh twinge of hate pouring through her. Stop it, Blackthorn said, this time in perfect unison with her. How, How do you, you know... know? We are not, not the same. same. Blackthorn became a perfect mirror of everything Casey did now. He moved exactly as she moved. She took a step. He took a step. She raised a hand. He raised a hand. She frowned. He frowned. 
Every little nuance and detail was captured down to the last decimal place. Within seconds, it became impossible to tell who was imitating whom. Their actions seemed to originate from neither of them, but from both simultaneously. The performance was an absolute perfect mockery in every way. As a result, when they both drew and fired, it was perfectly synchronized. The Confutatus now howled in the background from the Victrola. Seeing this, Sasha immediately drew the white roses in one fluid motion while ducking right and fired. The deputies were slow on the draw. She hit one in the head before his pistol even left its holster. Hit in the head, your opponent is dead. He dropped with a lifeless thud, back to being an inanimate corpse once again. Casey and Blackthorn had both missed one another. Immediately, the geese of imitation was broken, and they both reverted back to individual actions. At once, they entered into the same kind of furious toe-to-toe melee that Cody and Blackthorn had previously. But Sasha couldn't worry about Casey at the moment. Ace was now firing greedily at her. Blackthorn's irons pounded at Casey like dark cannons, their fire and dark theurgy sizzling the static-charged air. Struts and shingles exploded, showering wood splinters in every direction. The golden intaglio of flames spun menacingly on the devilish barrels of the black roses. Casey's own red roses smartly slung shining silver right back at him, rose vines wiggling and waving, delighted to be in action. Her wondrous guns were snug in her hands, and her aim was true. But nonetheless, Blackthorn anticipated her every shot and moved out of the way a split second before she depressed the trigger. Of course, she was doing the exact same thing back to him. They could each see what the other was going to do next and get out of the way. Casey knew she had to get out of the same trap Cody had been led into. Blackthorn's mechanical reflexes were beyond those of any mortal. Once exhaustion set in, she'd be prey to the same fate. With a sudden wrench, she scattered behind a water barrel. Blackthorn countered by sliding deftly behind a support beam on the boardwalk in front of the Birdfeather Theater. They both reloaded. Sasha had already put down another deputy while dodging Ace's shots. This left her with only one more deputy to go. An Ace, of course, but she was saving him for last. Hey, baby, Ace called out to her. What do you say we drop this fight, make up, and make out? That's a whole lot more fun, don't you think? Sasha answered with an extra flurry of lead. Ha! Why? So you can just run like a coward and leave me behind when the next Sky Chamber shows up? The hell am I saying, Sasha scowled to herself. This wasn't even really the real ace. Was it? She also silently thanked Logan Whitecloud for terrifying her to the bone by relentlessly shooting at her during her training. It was something she honestly thought she'd never be grateful for. But now she was actually able to shut out the hail of bullets, put it to one side, and focus. The deputies were no better as reanimated corpses, or whatever they were, than they had been in life. The same fears choked their responses in a firefight. They never learned to use the calm center of the storm, the eye, to balance themselves. They were all anger and nerve-twitch responses, and as a result, Sasha saw at once that they were easy to predict and manipulate. Sasha hit the third deputy in his gun hand. He shrieked and his gun spun to the ground. She popped around her barrel to finish him off, but just then a bullet smacked into the circular iron band around the wood a mere couple of inches from her head. Ace had very nearly succeeded in killing her. It ricocheted even closer to her skull, leaving a little heat singe on her forehead skin. She heard Ace whoop in delight. Why, you slimy little whacktard, she hissed in her head. You're gonna pay for that. Casey and Blackthorn had reloaded and were back at it again. They were dance-walking sideways along the boardwalks on either side of the street. 
blasting away at each other. Sasha cursed under her breath. This put her directly in their crossfire. She'd have to worry about them now as well as Ace and the remaining deputy. She retreated and without thinking about it, ducked inside the town hall. Flames licked the walls in here, but it wasn't too bad yet. But she gagged when she took in the breath and coughed. The air was already hazy with ash. That was the real danger, smoke inhalation. She'd heard somewhere that people usually died in fires from that long before they actually ever caught fire. Quickly, she held her breath and made her way towards the back and left through the same window that she and Casey had originally snuck in through. Her eyes stung and filled with tears as she slipped outside, but immediately she heard gunshots and felt the now familiar whiz of bullets somewhere nearby. Damn it! Ace was already on top of her. She retreated in a bleary-eyed scramble into the alleyway. Is that the best you can do, Black Worm? Casey shouted. You little yellow-haired trollop, Blackthorn hissed back. You'll wear down soon enough, and then you'll lie next to your beloved and rotting Mr. Chance. We'll see, Casey shouted back over the noise. I'm still here. Blackthorn was trying to bait her back out into the street. He crouched deeper into the shadows, making himself harder to see. But Casey wasn't buying it. Without warning, he backed up and slipped through the doors into the Birdfeather Theater. Casey swore. She didn't want to follow him in there. So that was why he hadn't set the place on fire yet. He wanted to keep it for a trap. Damn you, Blackthorn, Casey thought. Suddenly realizing how exposed she was, she quickly ducked down behind another barrel. The sounds of gunfire had eerily ceased. The haunting requiem still played, and other than the dull roar of flames, it was the only sound currently filling the wind. She quickly scanned the ragged, apocalyptic scene around her. Where was Sasha? Or more immediately important, where were Ace and those deputies? Then she caught sight of two of them dead on the ground. Good girl, Sasha, she nodded in appreciation. So, that left Ace, and one more, worst case. She cracked open her guns and used the break in the action to reload once more. This whole thing makes no sense, she thought to herself. If Blackthorn is somehow a personification of my own dark side, then he can't kill me without killing himself. So what did he want? Why was he doing this? To scare her into submission? Either that or Sasha was totally wrong. That was possible also. She felt herself fill with rage suddenly. She hated Blackthorn. Hate, 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 hated him. She was going to shoot him. She was going to aim the red roses at that black-hearted, black-gun, black-tacular, blankety-blank. And she was going to kill him. Then she discussed the academic and philosophical implications of, quote, killing your own dark side, or whatever. Right now, that didn't matter. She was operating on a primal level. Her heart thumped. This was about survival, and getting out of the jip, and avenging Cody, no matter what Sasha said about him being real or not. And killing Blackthorn was the key. It had to be. Gritting her teeth, she stared at the bird feather. She'd have to go in there to get him. He'd be hiding, no doubt, waiting for her. Come out of there, black worm, Casey shouted. Come out and face me, you coward. What, did you ride all the way back here just so you could hide like a rat? There was a long, yawning silence. The fiery orange-black clouds in the sky rumbled. And then at last, he spoke. No, Casey, he called back, barely audible from somewhere deep within the theater. I'm quite comfortable in here. I have a fine front-row seat, all ready for the show. I have an idea. Why don't you come in here and join me? 
We can bring everyone back and make them perform for us. Forget about all this shooting and have a wonderful evening together. What do you say? Casey cursed again. She hadn't really expected that to work. He was just going to sit in that damn place all day. Why not? Sooner or later, she'd snap and follow him in. He was counting on it. She thought seriously about rushing the door for a second, but Logan Whitecloud's stern face intruded on her thoughts. That was a foolish move, and he'd never approve. Well, what then? She shouted back to him in her mind. But she got no answers. Maybe she should go help Sasha. That would be the smart thing to do. Blackthorn had effectively removed himself from the picture for the moment. She could even the odds up. After all, he'd left her with four to handle on her own, and there were two left. Fine. Sitting there. Sitting there and rot for all I care. Gripping her guns with new determination, Casey made a run for it, keeping her eye on the bird feather the whole time. But no shots came. She ducked around the corner through the alley towards the back of the Whitby in the town hall. In her rush and frustration of her blackthorn, she turned the corner without first looking, and someone quickly rose from behind a lean-to and almost fired at her. She raised her own gun, but not quickly enough. And then she realized it was Sasha. Sasha deftly pointed her gun away and relaxed the trigger, and they both strove to calm their yammering hearts. Casey quickly ducked behind the lean-to with her. Where are they? Casey asked quietly. I don't know, Sasha whispered back. I lost them. Well, I saw you got two of them. It's not like you're slacking. Don't feel bad, Casey replied. What about Blackthorn? Casey nodded back towards the street. He went into the bird feather. He's trying to lure me in there and pick me off. The deputy's injured, shot his gun hand. He's shooting lefty now, so we got that going for us, Sasha said. What about Ace? Sasha shook her head in annoyance. No lead in him yet. Don't worry, I'm going to fill him up. Casey nodded. I don't doubt it. We have to smoke them out. How? Sasha shrugged. One of us is going to have to run out there. The other one's going to have to watch and see where the bullets come from. Hopefully shoot the shooter before he shoots the one of us running. I'll... No, I'll go. I'm better ace bait. And besides, you have to deal with Blackthorn. He's your personal boogeyman, not mine. Before Casey could argue, Sasha drew her guns and went running across the open ground behind the Whitby near the teepee. Casey drew her own roses and swore, watching the buildings nearby. Almost immediately, she saw motion on top of the Whitby. Someone was up there, and whoever it was had just stood bolt upright like a tree in the wind. Casey aimed and fired. The figure fell from the rooftop and dropped. Sasha jolted like someone had zapped her with a live wire. She mistakenly thought someone had just shot her. She quickly scanned herself and then saw the body thump on the ground several yards away. It was the other deputy. That was too easy, Casey thought, alarms ringing in her head. Ace had sacrificed him. He'd anticipated him being picked off. She whipped around, suddenly getting a prickly sense that Ace was right behind her. But no one was there. There was another gunshot, and this time Sasha cried out in pain. Blood poured from her leg in a spurt. Oh no, Casey whirled. Sasha! She caught just enough movement to see where the shooter was. The teepee! Casey screamed. He's in the teepee! Damn that ace. They'd completely overlooked the teepee, both of them. It hadn't occurred to them to view it as a danger. It was the one place they'd associated with safety in this whole town, and Ace had known it, and he'd used it against them. The teepee flap was wriggling. Ace had dropped the cloth he'd been shooting from underneath. He was probably fleeing out the other side. Casey opened fire on the teepee. The animal skin tarp jumped with each bullet like it had been shocked. 
Sasha was also firing into it with one hand. It felt wrong somehow to be shooting up the teepee like this. Casey hated doing it, and cursed Ace for forcing her to. Sorry, Logan, she thought. Ace skittered across the open land now, firing while savagely diving into the alleyway for cover. Casey pursued, her twin roses blaring. She hit the tail edge of his black cassock as it whipped in the wind behind him, but Ace himself was too scrawny and lithe, and she missed him entirely. He gibbered and cackled like a mad thing, a skeleton dancing across the sands. She couldn't follow. She had to get Sasha out of the open before Ace started firing again. Quickly, she turned, but Sasha had regained her feet and her wits. She was wincing and limping for cover in the other alley next to the Whitby. Casey quickly dove under her shoulder and slung Sasha's arm over her. Give me your bandana, Sasha hissed. Casey tore it from her hair. Sasha wrapped it around her leg tightly, tying off the wound with a makeshift tourniquet. Are you all right? Casey asked. Sasha nodded briskly. She was no sissy, that was for sure. Casey knew that from the Serps. Sasha had been the one chasing her and Max with a drawn dagger, whooshing like an extreme sports hero. Doesn't even hurt. Adrenaline. I'm sure it'll hurt later, though. But I'm fine right now. Sasha was suddenly angry. That little creep, hiding and shooting me. Her intensity had returned. I'm going after him. I'm going to finish him, now. Casey nodded. Well, I'm going after Blackthorn, then. Sasha looked at her. You be careful. Don't fall for his tricks. She reached out and hugged her. Casey returned the embrace. I love you, Case. Come back alive and get us out of here. You too, Casey replied quietly. They looked at each other one last time, and then Sasha ran around the back of the Whitby, irons drawn. Casey turned and jogged back towards the bird feather. But she wasn't going in through the front. Oh no, she circled around the back. The ashen sky seemed closer suddenly, like the world was tightening, constricting around her. She looked up briefly and saw that the bloody sun was actually visible through the haze. But old Sol had somehow changed. The sun was literally now a crackling ball of fire. Flames leapt around its edges. It seemed to be a comet of flames falling to the earth. It smoked in the sky, a cosmic reflection of the whole jip around her. By all the red hells, Blackthorn... It was a wooden door on a rusty hinge, a backstage entrance. She held one gun ready in her hand, and with the other, she quietly pulled the door open and slipped inside. It took a moment for her eyes to adjust. She was in a long corridor with dressing rooms on either side. She tiptoed quietly down the hall, keeping her gun trained on each door as she passed. She threw each open quickly, silently, and checked each dressing room in turn. There was nothing in any of them but old feathery boas, giant hats made of peacock feathers and various dancing girl costumes. Most had a makeup mirror and dressing table with several chairs. When she reached the end of the hall, there was a brief staircase, and beyond this was the stage itself. The red curtain was drawn shut, and she couldn't see out into the rest of the theater. She hesitated. She'd be exposed if she went out there. There was nothing solid to hide behind, no wall behind from which to shoot but she could peek out between the curtains unseen. She had to figure out where Blackthorn was lurking. She moved. Gliding across the stage, she silently made her way to where the two curtains met. But just then, gunshots rang out. The curtains snapped with each impact. Startled, Casey ducked and rolled, quickly retreating to the backstage area again. Blackthorn's booming voice echoed throughout the theater. I see that you've decided to join me after all, Casey. 
Although, I must say, I never expected to be entertained by you dancing on the stage. He was out there in the seating somewhere. She silently cursed herself for never taking Cody up on seeing a show here. She had no idea how the place was laid out. Why don't you come on up and we'll do a play together, Casey growled back. She wanted to keep him talking, use his voice to pin down where he was. Logan could probably do it, she thought wistfully. Sorry, I'm rather not that theatrically inclined, Blackthorne retorted, his voice betraying that he was on the move. Oh, come on! You look pretty theatrically inclined to me when you declared martial law. In fact, you ought to get an Academy Award for that acting job, she shouted. As she talked, Casey spotted a rope tied to a nearby wall. It looked like some kind of weight and pulley system. Could it be for opening the curtain? She scowled. It was too high up for her to reach. But with sudden inspiration, she drew one of the red roses and fired. The rope snapped in two, and a weighted sandbag started to descend from the rafters above. The curtain began to part in uneven jerks and tugs. Actually surprised that she'd guessed right, Casey dropped to the ground with both guns drawn. Immediately, she saw a movement up in the balcony just above the stage. Quickly, she fired at the departing shadow, but he was already gone. Taking advantage of having flushed him out, Casey raced at once onto the stage and then down into a crouch between the theater seats. The bird feather was not a large theater. Perhaps 50 people total could sit in the audience. She hid near the back row. Where had that slick, chicky blackthorn gone now? There must be a stairwell or something going up to that balcony, she thought. He must still be in it. Once again, he was hiding, making her come to him on his own terms, while he positioned himself for advantage in an unknown environment. But then she had an idea. She was an idiot for not thinking of it before. All she had to do was set the theater on fire. Blackthorne would have no choice. He'd have to come outside, thus removing his advantage. Of course! Smiling to herself, she quickly hurried in a crouch along the remaining rows of seats and up to the front door. The town was an inferno. The Thirteen had already collapsed into a pile of slag and burning rubble, and the rest of our churro jip was well on its way. It would be no problem to find something burning, a board or a two-by-four, and use it to light up the bird feather. She got as close to the raging flames of the Thirteen as she could. She squinted, keeping an eye out for whiskey that hadn't yet exploded. It would be good to have some fuel as well. She quickly saw that she'd need another stick to pull things she needed out of the fire, it was simply too hot to get by hand. The nearby Whitby was burning more slowly. There was bound to be something inside she could use. She started to turn towards it, her focus intense. But the thunder of nearby gunfire made her jump. Blackthorn was standing right behind her, grinning. The muzzle of his black rose breathed blue vapor. The golden swirling flames danced along its lengths in giddy madness. Ah, we think alike, you and I. Not surprising, really, Blackthorn said with a sickly grin. A shot of adrenaline spiked through Casey. I'm gonna kill you! But as she spun to face him square, she suddenly noticed a sharp pain in her left knee. Something was dripping down her pants. She looked down. Oh no! Blackthorn had shot her in the kneecap. Technically, he'd hit her in the back of her leg, in the bend of the knee. The bullet had exited through the front, piercing the kneecap. Dark, warm red oozed and spread in the pant leg below a new, frayed white rip in the material. Savagely, she raised her gun to fire, but Blackthorn had already fired again. She'd been too slow on all counts. It was like she was on some kind of time delay. She felt something like a flick smack her in the other kneecap. No! This can't be happening! 
Another rip, another flood of red. But this time, the bullet stayed lodged in her leg. She could feel it pulsing. She could barely stand. But now there was something else. Something like poison. Was that it? It felt like the bullet had been poisoned. Something was spreading out from it inside of her leg. Something vile. But no, that wasn't quite right either. She felt a roaring intense hatred for her mother, for what Sabine had done to her, for doubting her story about Siren, the loneliness she'd endured, the things she resented her mother for, what she'd kept bottled inside of her all these years suddenly erupted, fresh. What a strange time to think of something like that. She strove to push it from her mind, but it only grew stronger. I'm Phalos, Blackthorn explained, as though lecturing her on a species of venom. These bullets are made from them, you know. From the haunted mines of Arturo Jip. I fashioned the gems that I found there into bullets. Casey's legs wobbled and then buckled completely. She fell to the ground, kneeling in front of Blackthorn. Pain lanced up her legs. Do you know why those mines are haunted? Do you know what ghosts linger there? Casey couldn't speak. The pain was excruciating. Her hatred and anger for her mother was blinding. You know that Omphalos are precious gems that trap emotions and thought patterns, crystallizing them, flash-freezing them into place. Arturo Jip is your creation, and so are the mines. Your own nightmares are what haunt that deep, dark place, and those very nightmares are trapped in the jewels that are found there. I can't take this anymore, Casey thought. She was growing weaker by the second. Her pulse was limping, sagging. She was losing too much blood, and her own anger and fear were sapping her soul of energy and concentration. She tried again to blast him with her gun, but Blackthorn shot the weapon from her hand with barely a thought. There was a new eruption of pain in her hand, a quivering, marrow-deep kind of pain. Blood spilled down her wrist. The red rose dropped to the ground, a dead thing. And now she felt all of her childhood worries of unpopularity flood through her. Nobody liked her. She was weird. Nobody would ever like her. These feelings throbbed out of the bullet lodged in her hand, flooded her awareness, while the anger at her mother also coursed through her, pounding out of her knee. Blackthorn kicked the red rose away from her. She wanted to punch him, kick him, do something. But she was already too weak. She could barely stay conscious, let alone do anything. Blackthorn reached down and grabbed her by the scruff of her shirt. Wordlessly, he dragged her behind him into the main street. She left a long, waving, smeary line of red mud as a trail behind her. So, it has come to this. She was helpless, paralyzed. Casey felt the rough pebbles dig into her back as he pulled her along like a dead carcass towards the edge of town, towards the sign, towards the cemetery. Blackthorn suddenly yanked her to her feet. He held her by the shoulders and stared into her eyes. It was just like the first time Blackthorn had choked her outside the thirteen. Weird, Casey thought. So this is my dark side in the flesh. Face to face. He was real, living material in every way. She could smell his foul sweat, even his breath. She could see every hair of his horse bristled black mustache in excruciating detail. A few were even gray. He was a bad man, slipped across the water. Blackthorn smiled crookedly. She could see a few chips in his teeth. Slipped across the desert of doom. Wordlessly, viciously, he tossed her limp form backwards like a rag doll. But she did not hit the ground as she expected. 
She kept falling. As her back finally hit solid earth, her spine jangled on impact, and as her breath was kicked out of her lungs, she understood. Blackthorn had just tossed her into a freshly dug grave. The pungent smell of newly ripped earth, soil, and peat filled her senses. Blackthorn stood above her, framed in a tall rectangle of red daylight. He stared down at her, grinning in final triumph. He had been victorious. Blackthorn removed his dust coat, threw it on the ground. Keeping her covered with his weapon, he then removed his waist jacket, then his cravat, and finally his white shirt. He stood naked from the waist up. With a shock, Casey saw that the puzzle tattoo pieces that covered his body had now fully sorted themselves into place. On his front side, the tattoo showed the backside of a girl with long blonde hair. Blackthorn chuckled and turned around. On his backside, Casey could now see that the assembled puzzle pieces unmistakably showed an inked picture of her own face. Now you die, Blackthorn said. You can't kill me, Casey gritted through locked teeth. You'll kill yourself if you do. I'm not so sure about that, Blackthorn mused, cocking his head. If I kill you here in the jip, that may only kill your ego, your personality. I am another personality in your mind, the way I understand it. And with your personality out of the way, I could emerge as the dominant personality. He grinned widely, the smile of a beast. I could take you over. Casey shook her head weakly. You're less than another personality. You don't even exist without me. That threw Blackthorn into a rage. Immediately, he drew and shot her three more times, twice in her left leg and once in her right arm. It was more Amphalos bullets. Added to the torments already circling in her brain were three new ones, so intense that they were initially nameless and yawning and all-consuming. But in a moment, the strongest one crystallized consciously, a sudden intense fear of drowning. She recognized it immediately. One time, when she was 14... She'd been swept out into the Starland Ocean by a strong current. The waves were huge and pounding. She couldn't get enough air in her lungs between swells. She thought she would pass out and drown. The same fear erupted now again in her mind. She felt the same suffocating blue darkness washing over her. Blackthorn chortled. She could see the black roiling clouds of ash above him in the dead sky and the pale inferno of the red, red sun thinly shining through. But at the peak of her fear, she remembered something else. Her response to being caught in that riptide. She was angry, furious that she was about to die. She made up her mind, right there, right then. She'd simply refuse to let it happen. She had swam with all her might for the shore, not caring how she felt. She was just not going to die. That was all there was to it. It had taken her 45 minutes of strenuous swimming. The tall waves had robbed her of breath again and again. But, in the end, she'd made it back to the beach. She was so weak when she got there that she didn't even have the strength to stand up straight in waist-deep water. A lifeguard had to carry her the rest of the way in. But she'd lived. She was alive. That feeling came back to her now. Blackthorn had made a big mistake hitting her with this particular fear. It reminded her of what she'd done, how she'd overcome it. In an odd way, it gave her hope. New anger flooded her. Blackthorn was not going to win this, by all the red hells. Her green eyes lit up, burning furious and proud. Blackthorn caught this new glint, but could not understand it. The transcendent leap, the moment of internal transformation required to make it, was beyond the scope of his being, 
beyond his grasp. Not caring how she felt, ignoring the savage pain racking her, ignoring the waves of fear shooting through her, she stood inside the grave and drew her remaining red rose with blinding blurred speed too fast for the eye to track. She was whooshing. Blackthorn was nothing. He had no power she did not give him. She fired. A fresh spout of blood erupted from Blackthorn's gun hand. It sprang open into a quivering claw, and the black rose dropped from his grasp into the grave with Casey. Instantly, she reached up and plucked it from the air without thinking. It didn't even occur to her that she shouldn't be able to hold it any more than Ace had been able to hold her own enchanted guns. This was Blackthorn's weapon, and it was wedded to him and him alone. But the Black Rose did not harm her. In fact, quite the opposite. The gun came alive in her grasp as it had for him, exactly as the Red Rose did. The intaglio of golden flames spun hungrily along the barrel, as they did when Blackthorn held it. She now held both a Red Rose and a Black Rose, trained perfectly on Blackthorn. Blackthorn's eyes went wide. He was trying to figure out why the Black Rose hadn't already turned on her, why it hadn't sent a jolt of energy up her arm and seared the flesh of her hand. But Casey already knew why. Blackthorn was a part of her, as much as she hated to admit it. Therefore, the Black Rose was hers, ultimately, as well as his. He was still stunned by confusion when she fired both guns. Thunder pounded from them. Again, again. Six bullets, eight. Blackthorn was riddled, jumping with each new shot like a rag doll, his body wrenching and contorting, his mouth clenched open like it was trying to bite into itself. Twelve. Both guns were spent. Blackthorn had been blown back, writhing onto the ground. Casey leapt from the pit of the grave, feeling a fresh surge of pocket powers, the ability to whoosh returning to her. This was her place, after all. Her dream. She should be able to do what she wanted. She landed squarely on the ground, just beyond the hole where she had been laying. Her blasted kneecaps howled, but she ignored it. She stood now over Blackthorn. She was dirty and panting. Her clothes were torn and caked blood covered her. The Omphalos bullets lodging in her body still throbbed out their pain and fear, but she was using it now, channeling it. It was fueling her rage, her determination. Blackthorn stared up at her from the ground, badly wounded. He breathed in gauzy wheezes. Blood trickled from his mouth. It was broken, ruined. And for the first time, she saw fear in his eyes. Go ahead, he gargled. Kill me. Finish it. Oh, I'll kill you, Casey thought. Savagely, she holstered the black rose and loaded the red. Her little fingers plucked the silver from her belt, pushed them quickly one at a time into the revolving chamber. She aimed at his head. She hated him. She started to press the trigger. The gun clicked a little in her hand. The roses swarmed along the barrel, responding to her mind, anticipating the delicious kill. But she realized to her dismay that this was exactly what he wanted. Her own hatred healed him. Her fear, her anger fed him. They were what he was. With a start, she flashed on Blackthorn holding his chest, seemingly over his heart, when he dragged her out of the Lucky Thirteen. It had happened when she'd felt the most intense happiness in her own heart, when she'd been dancing with Cody. Blackthorn seemed to have been physically hurt by this. Did it follow that he could be physically healed by her hatred? It made sense. Hatred and fear, those were his bread, his oxygen. Do it! Blackthorn screamed. Are you such a pathetic coward that you can't even kill your own mortal enemy? Oh, she wanted to. There was no denying that. She ached to shoot. 
It would give her such satisfaction to see his head explode. She hungered intensely for it to end him. But instead, she said, Show me your true form. I want to see you as you really are. Blackthorn looked up at her again with fear and a new confusion. Obey me, Casey howled. Blackthorn's form began shape-shifting, morphing. He resisted. He yelped in protest as he transformed. He did not want this to happen. But Casey's mind held. She had him in the grip of her iron will, her total unbending intent. She would not release him. The black of his clothes folded inwards, became mottled and bumpy, as if with feathers. His head grew smaller, blacker. His mouth jutted out and began to turn a pale orange color. He was shrinking. And when the transformation was complete, a wounded crow lay with broken wings splayed out on the ground in front of her. An archon, Casey breathed. You're an archon? Was that what they were? The dark side of everyone in the universe? Was that even possible? The universe is a dream. Enki had expounded to them again and again. Just like Arturo Jip was her dream. Thought was primary over matter. Matter was nothing more than concentrated thought. Quantum physics said so. Enki said so. And if that were really, honestly, for real true, her mind was racing. The Archons might all be like Blackthorn, beings fashioned from the fear of others, the hatred of others. Sentient fear? Self-aware fear? Then Blackthorn was an Archon in miniature. He was only a preview, the sampler version, the single-serving Archon. Dear God, if he's just a baby Archon, and he's this dangerous already. <laughs> and the real Archons, if they were like this, had had a millennia to mature, to understand themselves, to understand humans, Uberians, whatever else there was out there in the galaxy, the universe, to learn how to control them, manipulate them, to hide their true nature cleverly from all of them. And they had countless minds to feed from. How many billions, trillions, quadrillions of beings were there in the universe that they could draw strength from? They had to be incalculably strong and possibly immensely unbeatable. Was this what Enki had been fighting all this time? Sentient fear? Alive hate? She had to warn Max. Max! But now she also knew there was a way to fight them. They were weak without minds to prey upon. Why, they couldn't even exist without them. There was nothing they could do on their own. They needed minds to sustain them. They were terrified that you would stop being terrified. Blackthorn had been trying to seduce her with fear. Everything he threw at her was designed to mislead her conscious mind while bleeding her of fear and anger. But she had free will. She'd chosen not to allow it. She'd mastered her dark side. She'd conquered her shadow. Not with a gun, but within her own soul. Logan Whitecloud had told her this was how it would be. That the real battle was not with guns, but with the mind. Here in the world, we see two gunfighters. They stand across from each other, perhaps, on a dusty plain waiting to draw. One of the fortune teller's cards suddenly arrived on the wind, tumbling along the ground. It landed face up on top of the broken, bleeding crow like a judgment of its worth. It was the fool. Sasha limped around the corner of the Whitby. That little monster ace was going to pay. Her leg throbbed a bit now. The initial jolt of adrenaline was wearing off. She realized she wouldn't be able to walk much longer. That meant chasing Ace wasn't going to be possible. She'd have to make him come to her. The very thought annoyed her to no end. 
She was aggressive by nature, a fighter, an athlete. The passive role luring Ace in ran counter to her instincts. But letting him get away ran even more counter. He was hell-bent on revenge. That much was clear. And that was his weakness. Whether he really was Ace or not, he thought he was Ace. That desire of his, where he lost control of himself, made him predictable, able to be manipulated. She decided it was time to gamble. Ace, she cried out. I know you want revenge, so I've got a proposition for you. We're in the Old West, so we'll settle this Old West style. Just you and me standing out in the open. We count to three, and we draw. No more hiding, no more sneaking behind buildings. Silence. She waited for another minute. Maybe he was too much of a coward after all. Come on, baby, she goaded. This way you'll have a clean shot at me. I'll be dead. <laughs> that is, unless you're scared. That you think you might actually get beat by a girl. Ace stepped out from behind the burning apothecary building down the street. Oh, I'm not scared, sweetie. Her heart relaxed. Good, he was going for it. Of course, her brain thought, chiding herself or doubting. His ego demanded it. His guns remained in their holsters. He held his arms at his sides so she could see he was playing fair. His hands were clearly open and empty. She nodded and walked towards him. One of us will live and the other will die. No more games. We settle this once and for all, right now. Ace nodded with a smile on his wolf-bit face. Sounds like a plan. They were perhaps fifty paces apart. Sasha tried to hide her limp as best she could, but he spotted it and grinned. How's your leg, baby? He taunted. She winced. It's fine, and I won't need it for this. Kind of figured, Ace replied. That's why I decided to be generous, you know. Agree to your idea. Even things up a bit. This way, when you die, you'll know I beat you fair and square. Sasha smiled back sardonically. Last thing you are is fair and square, Ace. You know, he said, ignoring her, it's not too late still. We could drop all this, talk about things, get a clean slate, get started off on the right. What, shot up leg? Sasha finished for him. No, we can't go back, Ace. This right here, this between you and me, is all we have left. A bunch of dead desert, and the guns at our sides. He nodded slowly, grinning his maddening grin. Well, so be it then. Yeah, so be it. We'll count together, Sasha said solemnly. And on three, we'll both... But Ace had already drawn and fired. Sasha jolted backwards, nearly falling, and looked up at him in surprise and disbelief. She'd been shot in the chest. Ace fired quickly again, and again. She jolted backwards two more times. He'd leered like a devil and laughed manically. The wind whipped up around his black cassock, making it flutter around him like the cloth itself was laughing as well. He fired several more shots into her midriff, and then lost all control, blasting away at her while his face contorted into savage glee, his eyes dripping with venom and delight. Sasha's body snapped back with each impact as she stumbled backwards, struggling to keep her feet under the barrage of lead. Finally, she fell back onto the ground, gasping for air as he ran out of bullets. Still, he pulled the triggers of the guns as if he didn't notice, as if he couldn't get enough. They clicked as he sweated and quivered, still killing her in his mind, over and over again as if once was just not enough. Oh, how sweet it was, just as he thought when he pretended to shoot her when she turned her back and walked away from him on the main street of the jip. Revenge! Ah, Sasha, he said, walking towards her limp body in the ground. Why'd you have to be this way? 
You were always too stupid and trusting. And now it's gone and gotten you killed. He could see there was still life in her eyes. They were looking up at him dully. Whoa, somebody was home in there. But not for long. He drilled her with enough bullets to drop an elephant. He stood over her. See how things turned out for you? You should have never run away with those imbeciles, Ian, Max, and Casey. This is what always happens to people who betray me. Takes me a little time, sometimes, like it did with you. But eventually, I always get revenge. He turned and danced away, whooping and cackling. Ace, someone said behind him. He spun, startled. Sasha was standing, and she was pointing a white rose at him. She looked completely healthy. She was fine. What the hell? Sasha smiled grimly as she lifted the poncho over her shoulder. Her chest and midsection sparkled with the most brilliant reflective gold he'd ever seen. Even in this light, under the black clouds and red sun, it was almost blinding. Except for ten or so black splotches on it. His bullets. They hung in place, flattened against the golden Deberian centurion armor that encased and protected the vitals of Sasha Foy. Ace's eyes bulged. He knew exactly what he was looking at. He'd shined hundreds of those from Moffat, after all. Where did you get... Casey found it on a dead centurion in the desert, on a skeleton by the Tree of Pain. She grabbed it, figured it would come in handy. And what do you know? It did. I guess you never watched those spaghetti westerns like I did, huh? But now Ace's face contorted in rage. His revenge had been stolen from him. Those spaghetti... What? You cheated, he howled. Sasha snorted out a laugh. You cheated first. Snarling, he drew a gun and fired at her head, but the only thing he got was the click of an empty chamber. You're out of bullets, Ace, she said simply, smiling. I'm wearing all of them. His eyes snapped up to her in panic. He tapped open the chamber of his gun and spun it. Sure enough, there was nothing but six empty holes. Savagely, he reached for a bullet from his gun belt, one to reload, but Sasha fired at his feet. Oh no, if you think I'm just going to stand here and let you reload, you're even more out of your mind than I thought. Ace couldn't believe it. His eyes burned. He didn't know what to do. Sasha calmly pointed her gun at him. He rolled the bullet between his thumb and fingers in one hand and shakily held the open gun in the other. Sweat poured down his face. There, right there, was his gun. And the bullet. All he had to do was get the stupid thing in there, snap it shut, and fire, and she'd be dead, dead, dead. He looked up at her, shaking with rage, then back down at his hands. Bullet. Chamber. Shut. Fire. She'd be dead. It was all right there. So close. So close. Walk away, Ace. Or whatever you are. Pseudo-Ace. Yes, I will call you Pseudo-Ace from now on. Pseudo-Ace, I will let you live if you walk away right now. Sasha almost laughed out loud, watching him chew himself up on the inside. It was killing him. His revenge was right there. Of course, he snapped. He just couldn't let it go. Even to, as the saying goes, save his own life. His shaking, sweating fingers viciously jammed the bullet in. Sasha let him at least get that far. He howled a primal scream from the deepest place of his soul as he snapped the chamber shut. But before he could raise the weapon, Sasha fired. She'd had a good long time to aim, and she hit him in the head, just as Logan Whitecloud had taught her. Square, right between the eyes. Hit in the head, your opponent is dead. The gun dropped from Ace's grasp. A stunned, stupid, duh, expression fell over his face. 
and then he tottered for a moment as though over the edge of an abyss and fell backwards into the sand, dead. Sasha stood over him. Consider that my final official notice of breakup. If I were you, I would have accepted the first one. When Sasha found Casey, she was surprised to see her standing over a badly wounded crow. Where's Blackthorn? Sasha asked. Casey nodded towards the crow. Right there. Sasha blinked and then understood. The attack in the tower of the Isle of the Dreamtime. An Archon? She whispered. Casey nodded again. That's what they are. A live fear. The shadow made real. By all of us. Blackthorn's just a taste of what's to come. What Enki's been fighting all this time. Sasha snapped her gaze to Casey in panic. I know, Casey replied. Fighting these guys isn't going to be easy. No wonder Anki went mad, Sasha whispered. No, Casey replied. These guys are responsible for whatever happened to them, but I don't think it was they themselves that drove him over the edge. It was something else. Well, her job here is done. Finish Blackthorn off. Let's get back on Anki's trail and just ask him, Sasha said. Casey nodded. We will, but killing Blackthorn isn't what's going to get us out of here. We were wrong about it being him keeping us here. He's not the key. I am. Casey shut her eyes. Blackthorn the crow shouted obscenities at her, baiting her to fire at him, to hate him, to fight him. She drew one of the red roses and aimed it at him. His eyes lit up with glee. But she only smiled and moved the gun off him and fired it directly into the dirt at her feet. No! The crow howled. The ground shook. Cracks and splinters emanated from where the bullet had pierced the earth. The black cloud in the sky began spinning and descending at once. The bloody sun followed, madly crashing to the ground. Sasha gasped and covered her head, as if that would do any good. But Casey stood calmly. She knew now that none of this could hurt her. The burning rubble of the jip started crowding in closer. The mountains in the distance began closing in. Then the sand in the desert started spinning. The world started spinning. Everything accelerated faster and faster and faster. Hang on, Casey said, smiling. The world cracked open beneath them, and chunks flew away into the air, until there was no ground, and suddenly it was as if they were in the center of a swirling twister, flying into the air, with Casey as the eye of this hurricane. Sasha saw the crashed sky chamber from the desert whirling nearby, and the remains of the Thirteen and the town sign. And then everything was crashing into Casey, flying into her at ever-increasing speeds until it was at the speed of light, and she was absorbing it all, soaking it all up. And then suddenly, it was over. You've been listening to Max Quick, Book Two, The Two Travelers, by Mark Jeffrey. Read by the author. Produced by Mark Jeffrey in association with Podiobooks.com. For more information on this patio book, please visit www. MaxQuickSeries.com The print version of both The Pocket and the Pendant, Max Quick Book 1, and The Two Travelers, Max Quick Book 2, are available at Lulu.com in paperback format, PDF format, and hardcover. <laughs>